Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Smell Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Boateng. Today, please listen in as I chat with Nick No on her experiences living with parosmia. I enjoyed speaking with Nick about the daily struggle that parosmia poses for people. It is truly an awful condition. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you all that you can visit my Facebook donation page to donate to the Monell Chemical Census Center. The Monell Center is working to understand olfactory disorders, and any financial support you can provide will help all of us. I'll include the link to the donation page in the episode description. If you're able to, please visit the link and donate $5. All of the money raised goes directly to Monell. All right, let's listen in to my conversation with Nick. Hi, good morning, Nick. Welcome to the Smell Podcast. Morning. How are you today? Good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to speak with you today because you have a very unique story. Um, You're affected with parosmia. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, So I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. I work in the IT field and in my free time, I like to do arts and crafts. Before my smell issues, my friends and I actually enjoyed going out to try different foods in, in different restaurants. Not sure if if uh, many of you are familiar with Toronto, but we're a very multicultural city, so we would like to go out and eat a variety of different ethnic foods. No, I've never been to Toronto, but I I hear that Canada is pretty cool. So yeah, is there just a lot of there? So there's a lot of people from other countries that go there to Toronto. Absolutely, many many different uh, cultures, lots and lots of different restaurants and uh, so many different things to try out. It's, it's a great city. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite type of food? I do enjoy a variety of Asian foods, just the different flavors and the different tastes. Of course, that's before I had my smell issue. Now it's a, a little bit different for me. Right. So speaking of that, can you tell us about your smell disorder story? Yeah, sure. So I kicked off the year in January 2018 with a very bad flu, the worst flu I ever had. And I had never, ever missed work before, but this flu actually put me out for a few days with a fever that just wouldn't go away. And then I got better eventually, but within a couple of weeks, I got sick again, and this time I got a cold. And throughout the entire time that I had the flu and the cold, I noticed that I was unable to smell anything. But I figured that I was just taking a bit longer than usual to recover. But after I got better from the cold, my sense of smell still didn't come back. So at the end of February, I went to see my doctor. And then from that point on, I saw a number of different doctors, including an ENT and a couple of neurologists. And I was prescribed a number of different nasal sprays and other medications. And what I noticed that when I was prescribed my first nasal spray, within two days after I started taking the nasal spray, I was eating my lunch in the office and I was unsure why my, my lunch tasted so terrible because I had just made it fresh the day before. Mm-hmm. So out of habit, I sniffed my lunch. Um, I took a smell, I, I sniffed it, and I, I noticed that it tasted it, it smelled really awful. It, it smelled the same as the taste of the food. And it had, it was nothing that I ever recognized. So I wasn't sure if maybe the food went bad, but I, I felt like it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't have gone bad because I had just made it the day before. So 
I made another trip to the doctor and the doctor um, decided that he was going to switch out my nasal spray to another type. But none of the nasal sprays that I was um, prescribed ended up working and none of the medications that I was prescribed ended up making the uh, smell issue any better or making the smell issue go away. So eventually, over the months, I, I was able to regain my sense of smell. So previously, I had lost all sense of smell. And then eventually, I started to be able to smell. But everything that I smelled did not smell the way it should have. Um, so I went back to the doctor and I, I, I told him, everything seems to be distorted. And... I don't think he really knew what to do because I got more sprays prescribed to me, which didn't help. And then over time, eventually all foods smelled awful uh, and tasted awful. So it was kind of gradual for me. At this point, I'm, I'm uh, just finishing my 11th month, entering my 12th month of smell distortion, otherwise known as parosmia. And every food that I eat now does not taste right and smells terrible. Everything that has an odor, like soap, detergent, going out to the restaurants, everything smells and it all has this indescribable odor that, you know, very difficult to describe, but it's extremely unpleasant. Yeah, nothing smells the way it should at this time. Yeah. So when you were going through at the beginning last year, when you're starting to go through all of this with the smells being distorted and your food not tasting how it should, how long did it take before you heard the word parosmia? You know what? That's a really good question. I actually, of all the doctors that I went to, I never they never brought that term up. So at one of my checkups, probably six months into my um smell distortion. I had already done a lot of research, so I had suspected that it was parosmia. I was the one who brought it up to my ENT and said, by the way, what I have, the smell distortion, is it called parosmia? If I hadn't brought that up, I don't think the doctors would have thrown that term at me at all. Wow. That's so fascinating. So in general, what were your thoughts on your experiences with the doctors? Did you find that it was useful or was it discouraging or? So I have mixed feelings. I think generally the doctors didn't know how to treat me and I, I felt like they had never had a patient with my, my condition or, you know, what I was complaining about. And I, I think that's the reason that my ENT uh, kept prescribing different types of nasal sprays. Initially, he he did um, he put a camera into my nose uh, to see if he could see anything. And initially, he said that there was some inflammation, which was consistent with my general family doctor. So I was prescribed nasal spray to reduce the inflammation. I was also prescribed uh, some other medication to reduce inflammation, but. I didn't feel like I had any issues in my nose physically, no sinus issues, no headaches. All the questions they asked that would have been consistent with sinus issues or, you know, a head cold. I didn't have any of that. I felt normal. It's just I couldn't smell. 
they sent me to a CT to do a CT scan as well as an MRI. And over the course of 12 months, I had both done, both came back clean. None of them came back with any inflammation or any tumors or any other issues that they brought to my attention that would have been worrisome or would have explained why I had the problem that I had with my smell. So I just, I just, I think generally there's not a knowledge, out, not a lot of knowledge out there, not a lot of studies, at least with the doctors that I saw, and I saw quite a few, and I talked yeah. to a couple other doctors as well. No, I would agree with you. I think that that's pretty typical, that even the doctors who specialize in ear, nose, and throat, it's just not very common yet. Yeah, and I had one neurologist. So I saw a couple of neurologists because I wanted a second opinion, and the first one I saw, uh, literally, I, I think I was in his office less than 10 minutes, and he essentially said I had to live with my issue and there's no cure and there is no medication that could make it better. And I just have to deal with it and just be careful with my food. And wow. then I was ushered out. That's so awful. Yeah, it's, you know, some of my appointments were very, very discouraging. Yeah, that, that does sound... It's just you're already, you're just in a vulnerable state already mm-hmm. going because something's going on. And then, I don't know, that's just unfortunate. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Yeah. So um, speaking of your parosmia, now that, now that everything you smell is distorted, what, what type of foods are you able to eat or to handle? Well, I think at this point, it, it's every food that I do try, and this includes drinks, does not taste nor smell normal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, living daily life, you know, obviously we have to eat, we have to nourish ourselves. So I selectively choose foods that I'm able to tolerate more than other foods. And and the reason being is that now that I'm almost one year with my parosmia, what I've noticed is that I have about five or six or seven different types of smell distortions Mm-hmm. Whereas originally it, everything just smelled the same one undescribable awful odor. Now I have about five or six different awful odors. Interesting. Uh, some odors are more manageable than others. There are some, depending on what it is I'm smelling, is a lot more strong and pungent and a lot less easy to, to manage or tolerate. So it's the same thing when I eat food. I try to eat foods that has the least amount of odor and flavor. So for instance, you know, plain plain noodles with no sauce. I, you know, I just, it literally just boil it. Uh, for me, I know that some, for some people, eggs are not tolerable. For mm-hmm. me, I boil my eggs or I, or I steam my eggs and they're relatively tolerable. Oh, good. And then... Milk is milk and water are the only two beverages I can actually drink without noticing uh, any bad odor or or taste. Tea does not taste right to me, but is tolerable. So I'm pretty limited, but I'm finding ways to manage, you know, on a day to day basis, meal by meal, essentially. Yeah, that's good. So you're you've been able to identify some that are less offensive than others. Exactly. 
that just sounds so awful, Nick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's nothing I ever imagined would happen to myself or anybody. I never knew this medical condition existed and that it had a name until, until I got it myself and did research about it. Mm-hmm. My next question for you, what is it like for you living with an invisible disability just in your day-to-day life? You mentioned that you work. Um, yeah. So in the last year, social situations have become awkward at times, both both in the office as well as outside the office. I don't necessarily publicize to people that I have this condition. I think only a few people closest to me in terms of friends and family and maybe a couple of people at work. So generally friends and coworkers and family members who don't know what I have, what my situation is, they don't understand why I don't go out to eat anymore. Uh, Wherein in the past, as I mentioned, I used to go out to eat all the time. When I visit people, they don't know why I don't eat their food. Some people assume that I have food allergies and and others thought I was vegan. (laughs) So yeah, a little awkward. There's also an element of danger that comes to the forefront when when you have this kind of issue, not either not being able to smell or not being able to smell properly. I, I no longer can tell if food has gone bad. I have no idea. I, it just, everything pretty much smells the same to me, whether right. it's bad. So I rely on, you know, I ask my fiance, I ask him to sniff my food for me before I eat it. And then when I am cooking, which I had stopped cooking for probably half a year because I couldn't even smell, I couldn't stand the smell of even boiling water, let alone food. But now I, I've started to cook a little bit. I, I, I'm getting used to some of the bad smells, which is pretty sad. But when I do cook, I have to stay right in front of the stove or the oven because if I walk away, I'll have no idea if something is actually burning and, you know, don't want to have a bad accident. Right. So, if, whether it's actually burning or if you're imagining it, is that what you mean? Well, I, I don't imagine, like, I for, for me, I... I smell what I like, whatever has an odor I smell, but I could be smelling an air freshener. I could be smelling laundry. It would smell the same thing as something burning for me. Right. Right. So I can't differentiate between what is a dangerous smell or a bad smell versus what is a normal smell or a good smell. So, you know, I have to be really, really careful. And overall, I've just I've had to make adjustments to to my daily life just so that, you know, I don't put myself in a bad situation. What would you like people to know about what it's like to have parosmia? Well, I, I, most people don't know about parosmia, but uh, those who have a little bit of knowledge or when I describe to them, it, it's, it's, it is life-changing. At least it was life-changing for me. For me, especially in the beginning and still now, even a year later, it, it is very difficult to cope with on a daily basis. So it's not just when we have to eat a meal. So it's not just three times a day. It's every day, all, all the time. Even a simple trip out to the grocery store can be difficult. And for the longest time, I avoided grocery stores. I had to have 
my fiance do all of the grocery shopping for me because I just couldn't stand the smells that uh, the grocery stores had. A visit to a friend's house for dinner became difficult. And there were a couple of times I had to leave um, because I couldn't take the smells of the the food that they were cooking. Uh, Restaurants generally are out of the question. The last time I did go to a restaurant, it was to celebrate uh, a birthday. So I I really wanted to go. I, I wanted to partake in the celebration. So what I ended up doing is I had to go visit the restaurant literally the night before to scope it out to see if I could tolerate the food fumes in the restaurant. And I I think I got lucky because the restaurant uh, was a huge restaurant and the the table they were planning to seat us was was away from the kitchen in a separate section. And the section was actually close to the door. So I could, you know, it was a quick escape if I, if I needed it. I also had to speak to the manager to prearrange a custom dish for me, which when I say custom, nothing fancy at all. Literally, it was uh, I asked him to boil plain spaghetti noodles with no oil, no spices, no sauce, no meat and no veggies. Mm. Um, And that's literally what I had for dinner that night. So, you know, it is it's. It's more than just bothersome for for a lot of us. It is a struggle, and it is a struggle for some of us to maintain our nutritional health. Um, I have heard that some people actually end up gaining a lot of weight because they're constantly trying to eat foods to see what might taste normal or better. For me, I actually am the opposite. I actually started to lose weight because I started to avoid foods because all foods eventually started to taste terrible. And then, so I started losing weight. Right now, I'm actually forcing myself to take a daily nutritional shake just so I can get vitamins and nutrients into my diet because I'm, I'm simply not eating enough. And I'm, I'm actually constantly hungry. I, I don't know how others feel Uh, with parosmia but for me because I don't eat enough I'm constantly hungry so I'm taking this uh, daily nutritional shake just to supplement what I am able to eat the 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 nutritional shake actually tastes terrible it is a chocolate flavor which is one of the worst tastes but for me it's easier for me to try and chug it down than to eat a plate of food so that's pretty much what I'm doing also, I'm trying to train myself to, this sounds weird, but I try to train myself to hold my breath while I eat so I don't actually have to smell or taste the awful food odors. It, it is unnatural and it, it's not easy to do, but I'm, you know, I'm doing what I can do to survive, essentially. Right. Wow. It just makes me so sad. Yeah. I'm, it, yeah. For the most part, with speaking with you, I feel as if you have a very upbeat attitude about all of this. What, what like, do you mean? Like you are, are, it just sounds as if you're okay, like you're able to stay positive. Um, I, yeah, I, you know, I, in the very beginning, I had pretty dark days where I, I mean, I still don't know how I survived the last 11 months Mm -hmm. and you know day one of realizing what I had I had no idea how I would survive 11 months and this is 11 months going to into 12 months 
and going into who, however long. I have no idea how long I'm going to have this, but I, I try not to allow this, this issue, this condition to take over my, my sanity or my life because I have to live my life, you right. know. Like, I, I don't have a choice. The doctors can't help me. I know that. I've accepted that there's not enough research done to allow me to understand what can cure me or what can help me. I, I just have to live with this. And, you know, I, I joined the Facebook group that I found online, and that's really helped me immensely because now I know I'm not alone there are other people out there that have this exact same issue as me and they're surviving alongside myself and we share our stories. And honestly, that really, really helps me get through the day every day. Those groups are so helpful. I would agree with that. It's up until November in Philadelphia at the conference that I was able to attend. I had never met anybody else who had anosmia in person. Mm. Um, so the only people that I had were my online friends yeah. from, the, from the groups to just say like, you know, this is really bad or this is awful. Mm-hmm. I guess to commiserate and to support each other. Exactly. And really to realize that actually we're not alone. Like There's a lot of us. Yeah, there are. It's just that we are now extended friends. My, my circle of friends in my daily life, not, no one I know has anosmia nor parosmia, has no clue, never heard of this. But, you know, when I go online and I join the group and I, I read other people's stories, I realize that, in fact, there are people like us that have the same experiences that understand what we're going through. Yeah. So just listening with you uh, or talking with you and listening to your stories, I can imagine that there's a a lot of really bad things about having parosmia. Is there a worst part or is there any positive? Um, um, I, I would say there's absolutely nothing positive or nothing good about living with parosmia. I, I, I feel like it is a very, very cruel condition to have. Uh, not to say that there aren't other very, very cruel medical issues and illnesses, but this is one of them. And right. it, it's very unfortunate. And you, you, there's no test that can tell you you're going to have it. And, and on the flip side, there also is no known cure. So I would say there's nothing really good about having parosmia. It's, it's very unfortunate. I, I think those of us who, who got anosmia or parosmia won the lottery in a very bad way, unfortunately. And for me, myself personally, I would say the worst part really is not being able to enjoy the food and drinks that I used to, which was very, very closely tied with my social life. Um, Even going out for a cup of coffee, I haven't done that in, in about a year because I can't stand the smell of coffee anymore. Whereas before my parosmia, coffee was my, one of my favorite scents, you know, like I really, really enjoy coffee. And it's not, it wasn't for the caffeine, it was for the, for the flavor and, and the smell of coffee. Same thing with chocolate. I have a sweet tooth. I haven't been able to enjoy a piece of chocolate in, in about a year. Wow. And, you know, it's those little 
small pleasures in life that I can no longer enjoy. And for me, that's, that's been one of the worst. Yeah. So speaking of um, interacting with other people now and how it's changed your social life, do you have any funny or memorable stories to share about having parosmia? Well, not a lot of funny or uh, funny stories per se, and nothing linked to my social life. But I, I had mentioned earlier that I had seen quite a lot of doctors. I I had done a lot of research. I read up on a lot of papers, and there's a couple of medical centers and a couple of researchers, neurologists that I now know of, who I would consider the most knowledgeable in this in this uh, parosmia condition. So uh, at one of my doctor's appointments with the second neurologist that I had visited, I was talking about uh, some of the um, research that I had done. I was asking a lot of pointed questions around, you know, what do you recommend for nerve regeneration? I know it takes a very long time, 60 to 90 days to regenerate your nerves. And there's a gazillion of nerves in the olfactory, in the olfactory bulb. And so I was throwing out a lot of these terminology and a lot of facts that I I gathered from my research. And he stopped me and he said, you know, you should go to medical school. We need people (laughs) like you. And I, I just, I had a little chuckle inside because you know, for me, I, I, I thought that was pretty hilarious and ironic because medical science was probably the farthest career option for me when I was back in school. And here I am in front of a neurologist and I, I really have high respect for for doctors in general, especially neurologists. And it was just funny for, for someone like him to, to say to me, yeah, I know this doctor that you mentioned, he's very renowned and, you know, you, you should have gone to medical school because we need more people like you. So I, I felt that was kind of hilarious. Yeah, we do need more people like you in the medical field. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. So do you have anything else that you would like to share with listeners? Actually, I just want to thank you, Katie, for this opportunity to share my story. There's not a lot of people out there that I can talk to that understand what I'm talking about, that have heard of of what I have. Um, So I'm very happy for this opportunity to share my story about parosmia. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I had a really great time speaking with you. Thanks, Katie. I had an awesome time talking to you as well. Appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. You can connect with Nick on Facebook and the Parosmia support groups. I'll include links to those groups in the episode description. Please visit smelltaste.org to learn more about the Smell Taste 2019 conference coming up this May in Gainesville, Florida. The conference is patient-focused and should be a lot of fun. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. What topics would you like to see covered in the future? If you have a story that you'd like to share, or if you would like to be on the podcast, please email me at thesmellpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at The Smell Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to The Smell Podcast. Reviews are helpful because they allow others to find the show. Finally, if you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description. I appreciate your support. Until next time, have a great day.